When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. Hope everyone had a festive Thanksgiving, especially friends in the United States. On today's show, we have Dom Kastinich, who's head of Barca Football Substack, as we do a tactical analysis of last night's match and the first two matches of Xavi. Really quick, just want to talk about Xavi's tenure so far, his early tenure. And I just want to talk about the stability of the club when it happens when you don't have to worry about the hiring and firing of this new coach. Now, Xavi has come in, and as I commented in a Barca Talk Cafe last week, it's been really slow, but in a nice way. In our discussions in our WhatsApp group and just reading things online, it's been mainly about football and tactical analysis, which has been kind of refreshing, as opposed to all the drama that goes on in the background. Now, it's amazing what bringing Xavi has done in the last week here. Again, just... I really, really haven't heard anything from Laporta. Haven't heard anything about from the board, which has been a nice change, especially when Kuman was in charge. The back and forth that was happening, the leaks in the press, and so forth. Now, I've been really satisfied with what I've seen from Xavi so far. I think the team is definitely trending up. Now, these games are going to be always difficult because we are still trying to find our footing. The team is young, especially, for example, against Benfica. We weren't able to score a goal, but... Overall, the games are definitely more entertaining. For example, last night at Villarreal, I thought the first half went really quickly. And again, I'm always going to be a fan of possession, but possession with teeth, right? Again, before, you know, especially under Kuman, the last year of Valverde and Kike Setien, we had possession, but we didn't have the teeth or the verticality. Last night's match, I thought, was a great win especially because the Stadio Ceramica is such a tough place to play. And Villarreal have been kind of struggling. Again, they played against Manchester United in the Champions League. They had some opportunities, and they lost. Again, they're a tough team. They're a senior team, just like Espanyol, for example. And to get these three points, that's why Xavi celebrated. Because, again, every positive step with the youth of this midfield and the youth players like Abde and Arahu is a step forward. It's about maturing. It's about coming together. It's about understanding how to be a professional La Liga player. And again, these are the things that Xavi can instill because he was one of the best football players recently, right? So he understands what's going on with social media. He understands the demands of what it is to be a Barca player. And I think you're seeing that already. Again, 
the way he's able to communicate. We're seeing glimpses of De Jong playing that much better. We're seeing Abde coming out of nowhere and being a winger. Like As I talk with Dom here, doesn't the attacking trio of Fatih, Memphis, and Abde excite you? I mean, it excites me, especially seeing Abde, what he's been able to do on the right side, and he's just going to get better with more playing time. It just always happens. Again, we still have our problems on defense, but I think overall we are trending up. We have a week here to recover, so hopefully the team can get better fitness because, again, we are starting strong, but we're getting that bajon, right, around the 40th, 30th minute, as we saw last night, and again in the second half as well. So that will come in time, but again, I'm really excited about this team. This team excites me more. Seeing the youth, man, again, seeing the midfield of Nico, Gavi, you know, uh, Pedri, who's going to come back, De Young. I mean, man, we are so lucky to just recycle this team like this so quickly. Look at other teams, like, for example, Tottenham, who went to the Champions League final just a couple years ago. They are still trying to find their feet. You know, they're unable to find these youth players that we continually just find under rocks in Barcelona, apparently. So anyway, I'm definitely excited for the trend that we're going again all these matches that we have are always going to be complicated they're just they just are we're just not the Barca as we used to again we're going to have a big Champions League match at Bayern again we need to get points we need to win to qualify and that's going to be a huge ask especially with what is Bayern going to do anyway some quick Barca talk admin notes I am going on vacation tomorrow and I don't return to the following week so the next broadcast is going to be Barca Talk Cafe next Friday the 9th, I believe that is. Also, if you're looking for a fun group to join, our WhatsApp group is a lot of fun. To be part of that, join our Patreon community. It's only five bucks a month. Get all that information on our website. The link is in the show notes. After the break, Dom and I break down Chavi's tenure so far, tactically. All right, so last night at the Estadio Ceramica, Barca finally got their first road victory of the season. Wow, it's been, we're in the end of November, which I can't believe. And one of the things that stood out to me last night, obviously getting the three points was crucial. Uh, it wasn't the typical Barca match. But Dom, you're here because now you are, I'm, you're my tactical guy. I love it. I love, <laughs> I love your newsletter so much. It brings Thank me you. so much joy. But let's, <laughs> let's start off first with the first three matches. You know, last time you were on, I had right. you on prior to Xavi coming in, and now we have three matches. What are your kind of overall impressions so far of what Xavi's doing tactically, like compared to Kuman? Right. Oh uh, well, there's quite a few changes, I would say, but very much as expected, mostly like high emphasis on possession, passing, domination, uh, with varying success so far, of course. But I would say that like one of the major changes that we've seen so far is verticality. That's kind of the big thing, especially looking at that right side of Barca's attack. Uh, hopefully the days of Sergio Roberto's wing back or winger are long gone, <laughs> and we see we see more of Abde or Dembele or Ilias, whoever is at the club come January moving forward. Uh, so having that natural winger with pace and trickery and just pure unpredictability is is crucial for Barca uh, because they were generally a team that lacked any sort of outlets apart from Jordi Alba, which was a big thing. And this is interesting, too, because another big change Bar uh, Barca are seeing with Xavi is this asymmetry kind of. On the left side, you have width and verticality through Alba, uh, while Gavi kind of starts out wide, then cuts inside. Uh, that's also the more technical and more possession and combination-oriented side. And on the right, you have a natural winger who provides width and verticality, 
with a third center back or maybe inverted fullback kind of covering behind him. And that side is more about uh, isolation, directness, one versus one duels. So, yeah, I would say that asymmetry and verticality, kind of the, the two novelties, I think that Chao will persist on moving forward in the season. Yeah, it's a good point. And, I, you know, I hope if we see something like last night with Abdet playing, I hope we see yeah. more um, use of the right side in attack, because right. I think ultimately yeah. that is going to lead to the success of the attack, especially with Ansu coming back in the future. Now, in yeah. your in your last uh, newsletter, you were talking about this plus one rule that Xavi implements. Mm. Can you tell us just a little bit more about this plus one rule just for people who aren't aware of this? Yeah, sure. Uh, so essentially, the plus one rule is very simple. Uh, it states that you only ever need one additional player to achieve superiority when trying to bypass the press or just trying to breach a defensive block. It doesn't really matter. It also means that Xavi won't really have a set structure in place, but rather he will adapt to the opposition. So let's take VRL, for example. They press in a variation of 4-4-2, which means that you'll have two forwards kind of marking the back line. Now, a nominal back four, for example... It uses uh, only two center backs and two full backs, and that means that you would essentially get a two versus two duel in the back. However, if we follow the plus one rule, that means that Chavo will, in that case, drop an additional player in the back line to turn that into a three versus two duel. So, how he achieves that depends and it can vary depending on the opposition, the situation. It can be done by deploying a third center back, for example, it can be done by having a full back deep in the first phase of buildup. And it can be just instructing the, instructing the pivot to drop into the back line, for example. The bottom line is the plus one rule adapts to the opposition. If they press with two players, you need three players. If they press with three players, you need four players. And if they just press with one, that will, you only need two center backs to achieve superiority. And that will, that will suffice generally. Yeah, I mean... This is something that's kind of always been kind of in the DNA recently, but I think yeah. it's been lost. I think it's been forgotten in this way because I think uh, we've been so happy with 80% mm -hmm. possession that we haven't had to really deploy this. But now with the team being so young and yeah. not, for example, last night there was we were pretty even with Villarreal at 50-50 possession. Having this idea is really cool because it's more dynamic. It's more adaptable to other yes. oppositions, right? It's not just our system exactly. against our system. Who's going to win out, especially mm -hmm. with the team that we have in the town. I think that's really important. Now, again, under these three matches, you brought up a good point about the more verticality. And I think yeah. last night was something that Chavi really focused on with the verticality to really exactly. kind of unlock the attack. Because I think Mephins, as I've talked to him about in the last couple of episodes and last time with you, he's been lost in the shuffle. And I think, especially as we saw last night, we have to just counter and go rather mm. than hold and try to get numbers. Yeah. What did you see last night with that type of verticality? Did you see that more with Memphis a little bit more as a point man as opposed to that three uh, three attacking system? Uh, I'll guess so. Well, Memphis is a, he's a tricky player because he has he has many qualities. Let's get that out of the way immediately. He can be used as a target man, even you know a decent target man. He has strength. He has pace. He has the trickery as well. He can beat a man, one which is one, which is good. But I think that he will mostly be used in that sort of a false nine role, something like that, because he likes to drop deep. He likes to create overloads on the left side of the pitch, which is, which is you know receiving in the half space is kind of his his strength as well. Um, so I think generally, if you pair him up with players like Abde on the right and maybe Ansu on the left, you can get the best out of him because. He will drop deep, he will drag markers, and then he can do the layoffs into the space, into, into players that can actually uh, that can offer that verticality, as, as Abde did, for example, last night, that, which, was, which was amazing to see 
so I guess that would be the best way to use him. You need you need yeah. runners with him. He is a yeah. runner himself, but you need the runners with him. That's that's key. Yeah, I just want him to go forward. You know, I think yeah. <laughs> last night, especially on his on his second goal, where yeah, it was a long ball and it was, but it was yeah. the ability that he had to just not think, of course. just poach and go right. And I think that's what yeah. we need more of him because. You know, the two things that drive me crazy uh, watching football is, you know, as a former forward, is offsides and losing possession, right? Because right. I just know those are the two things that, you know, as a forward, you you really have one base. That's like your almost your primary job is just to keep in line, right? Because those are dead balls that are going the other way. And the other thing is losing possession. I think Memphis, you know, the prior two games, he was losing the ball yes. way too loose, right? Last mm. night, I think he had a better job. I still want to see a little bit more effort on the pressing, but I, you know, I'll take yeah. his effort last night, especially with the goals. Now let's go yeah. talk about the midfield. Uh, we got a question here yeah. from one of our patrons, Ethan, and it's just basically which system do you prefer? If you kind of have to pick one, is it the three back system or the four three three? If you were just kind of going with what we have available right now, are you are you liking what you're seeing with the three back system mm. or the four back? Is that I mean because that's essentially what it is? Because like you said. With this plus one rule, we're kind of just trying to flood the midfield and there's really exactly. no kind of quote unquote structure of the formation. It's really about the back line. So which one do you prefer? Do you prefer the three back or the four back? Uh well, it depends. I would say that this <laughs> three in the back system is is working well. I think that uh, the Barca's greatest strength lies in the midfield. So just having that flooded and having that superiority constantly in midfield is to our benefit because that's where we will win matches. That's where Barca have been about the midfield forever, so that's kind of that kind of goes with the the whole philosophy anyway. But I would say that if we can have domination through midfield, we're you know that our chances of winning matches will will increase. Of course, you need to have finishers as well. You need to have that lethality which we lack kind of. But I think that just having the emphasis on midfield with that three in the back system that kind of gives you the box, the four midfielders. Uh, I think that kind of works well so far. It's it's still. The sample is very small still, but I think that it's going to work. It should work because the quality that we have in the field is just, it's outrageous. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, it's its kind of one of those things you pick your poison, right? Because, yeah. you know, fundamentally in football, you're, you're taught that four back is always going to be more sound, right? Because you have more mm. balance. But with this yeah. Barca, I don't know if that's true, right? Because like you said, right. the midfield is our, our talent. They're young. They can run back on defense. Mm-hmm. I still, Dom, I'm, God, this right side just. I know, yeah, I know. Just, <laughs> let's, let's, let's try to, let's try to diagnose this because, you know, I put a joke on Twitter. I was like, our right side hasn't been good since 2015, you know, when Denny Alves that, was still yeah. there. And I, and I don't understand, like, we see it time and time again, other teams just barraging us on that right side and we still yeah. cannot come up with anything. Let's, how do we workshop this? What do we do? I mean, I know, you know, just talking about the three back to the four back, but man, it's yeah. just like, I don't, I don't get it. We've, <laughs> we've had so many people on the right, you know, and yeah. we still can't solve it. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I remember that we used to have like Roberto and Samero both on the right side. That was kind of the, the go-to plan to, to plug the holes, but it never really worked. Never worked. Nothing works. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the thing is, uh, I think this was always going to be the big issue, like the, just defensively, Barca defensively in general. Even with Xavi coming in, he was more of a, uh, we'll, we'll rather concede four and score five than, you know, score one than defend deep kind of coach. But yeah. how can we get better defensively in general? It's it's tough. I, I, I mean, uh, the issues Barcelona had 
defensively mostly related to their emphasis on high pressing because they would press high, but they were not really efficient in it, right? So I think it still boils down to having a much improved in possession structure because, you know, uh, if that kind of lends itself nicely to a good counter pressing structure, then at least some of the issues would be gone. That, that, that's at least how I see it. Uh, it's just, you know, Barcelona defenders or generally players out of possession are more about awareness and stopping attacks before they turn into dangerous situations, you know, rather than just purely winning one versus one duels and foot races and stuff, stuff like that. So I think the best way is to perfect the in possession phase and that structure gives us the best chance of retaining possession in the first place. And then if and when the ball is lost, to have a good chance of quickly transitioning into a good counter pressing structure. I know it sounds kind of, I don't know, it's a lot, but I, I think that's our best shot. Just, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it's almost like Tetris, right? Where you pull one piece over here to adjust and then the other part of the tower starts to fall on the other side. Yeah. But again, you know, like you said, I think that's a really good point is that our defenders, when they don't have the ball, they're almost like in American football, like free safeties trying to read the play before it happens. Exactly. And that's yeah. where they're, they were special, especially when PK was in his prime. I think that's... Yeah. one of his outstanding qualities that he had. Yeah. Again, yeah. you know, we saw in the midweek in the champions with Arahu on the right side. I think he had mm. a game. I think he was awesome on the right side. But again, Amazing. with Arahu, it's all about, you know, injury. Again, last night, I thought he yes. almost broke his leg, you know? <laughs> like That was, yeah, it was scary. Um, I don't know. It's, that's a question now. Where do you put him? Do you put him centrally uh, or do you put him out wide? Because if you put him centrally, you can kind of mask his in-possession deficiencies because you want to have your best progressors out wide because they can access the half space, right? So if you have Eddie Garcia on the right side and you have, I don't know, Longley or even PK on the left side, uh, in theory, that gives you the best on-the-ball abilities. But then again, out wide is where you, the danger usually comes from. So you want to have your best defenders out wide as well. And you can't have both. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It's kind of tricky. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things, I guess. And Arahu is just, he is the only one with pace, the only one who can actually win those one versus one duels. The rest of our backline and general generally players, they mostly need to anticipate much better. They have to stop attacks before they happen, essentially. Yeah, it's a good point. I, for me, Arahu is, is, is a stud, right? Like you said, the yeah. speed, he doesn't, cause ticky-tack fouls for no reason because he's always yeah. in position. He's exactly. so physical. I mean, how many times against Benfica was he able to muscle that guy off mm. the ball? I mean, Eric Garcia is not doing that. And so those are the nope. things. I mean, I like I said, this is such a tricky thing because, like you said, like if you put Arahu on the right, yeah, we lose something maybe in the middle where against corner kicks, against you know pace of play, these type of things. But yeah. I think ultimately he's a better fit in the three-back system on the right Let's talk mm. about let's talk about Eric Garcia again. I yeah. I'm still on the fence about this because I I see a little bit of the potential there, but yeah. man, yeah, I still can't get over. He was at in the EPL, right? Like I don't yeah. get how he gets so outmanned and outphysicaled against yeah, these players and doesn't anticipate the physicality. I I don't I don't get it. What what do you see with Eric Garcia? Is he? Do you like him? in the back or what, what do you what do you, what do you see you know help me out here <laughs> uh he well generally yes i do like him uh the thing is he's kind of a midfielder trapped in a center back position something like that i don't know it's it's he, his on the ball abilities are obviously amazing he is he is 
the type of progressor that Barca needs from the back line. But he's also the kind of player that will, just like Busquets, he will have to outthink his opposition because if he gets into a physical duel or just you know a foot race, he's going to lose that most likely. So it, that's something that Xavi needs to you know work on with him, just individually, just try and make him understand or just uh, read the game much better than he, he does now. Because when he does read it well, when he can anticipate attacks, he's good. He can he can snuff out attacks. He can defend. But as soon as you put him like in a in a one versus one duel, that's when that's where he will struggle. Um, and of course, uh, in possession, he will he will be an asset. He always will be. And I think against Villarreal, he was used as a quasi midfielder anyway. He was always pushing forward, and that's what you get with the plus one rule. For example, if if Villarreal pressing with just two players and you can have Alba deeper on the left side, that, that's, that means that Garcia doesn't have to stay deep. He can move up into the midfield. And that's kind of where you get the most out of him because he can use his passing to kind of find targets up front and in dangerous positions. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he could transition into a midfielder. But then again, is he good enough to displace any of the other midfielders? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I wouldn't see that. Maybe, you know, like maybe if we need him for a Copa del Rey match, you know, for something yeah. like this as a midfielder like, like that, I could totally yeah. see that. But no, he would not yep. displace. And that's the thing is that, you know, we're still waiting for Pedri to come back, you know, and I think exactly, that's really going yeah. to help with the death. But I mean, again, I still can't get over that. All of a sudden we just plug and play. Like, for example, Abde comes in. And man, mm. like it's incredible the talent that we have it is, in our yeah. La Masia, right? This ability to mm. just bring players off the bench like this really quick. I just have some other quick thoughts about the attack. Now, on Twitter, yeah. people were just kind of asking, putting the question out there. Uh, what if you substitute Memphis for Dembele at the end of the game and just have Dembele playing up the middle? Is that would that interest you at all? Or is that you, you, you're completely against that? I can see your face and you are not looking uh, no. very satisfied <laughs> with this type of... Just, just to throw something out there, you know? Just to throw yeah, something yeah. out there. I think that's... I think we've seen that once. What game was it? It was last season. I don't remember the game, but I know that Dembella has played as a center forward once. And it worked quite well because he kind of always... He was always kind of putting the back line. He was on their shoulder constantly and he would make those runs, which is which is good, but I th- just don't think that he has the uh, the technical and you know yeah. in tight space. He, he he won't be able to hold hold play and you know, do those layoffs, and he doesn't have the uh, the regular number nine skill set. He he can make runs, of course, he can dribble, but the center forwards usually have they usually quite tightly marked, and they can be in the center. You don't have as much space as he would probably have isolated out wide. I don't know. It's it's a tricky, tricky one. <laughs> what about what about uh, this idea? You know, obviously we always think that putting Dembele out wide on the one v one area, but what about like mm-hmm. especially in the last ten minutes to maybe put Memphis and Dembele together as a pair up the middle? Maybe that might do something to break it up because you know the thing is, mm-hmm. obviously you always have the outlet with Dembele on the right side, right? You you have yeah. that, but what is the conversion rate of him? cutting through the middle, right? As opposed to going mm. up the middle and maybe having a better chance at a shot. The thing is, right. he scares the defense to death, right? They give him the yeah, space. But how many times does he make the bad pass? How many times does he lose the ball, yeah. right? And yeah, as yeah. opposed to maybe if he's with pairing closer to Memphis, maybe they can do more interchange. And all of a sudden, you can really put that defense 
on its heels up the middle. And maybe you have an error like what happened with Memphis last night. And then Dembele can shoot with both feet. It's just, you know, something to close out the last 10 minutes to give the other defense something to think about. But again, Mm. I think, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Because you want to put Dembele more onto space into the right side. But, you know, maybe in these last 10 minutes, you know, because I remember playing, uh, the one thing that always scared me is speed always because i was not fast that was always the thing that scared me the most right yeah. and all of a sudden you have a world-class sprinter up the middle mm. and you have yeah. to be clinical by if a ball bounces right like right. Well, it just brings into too much and all of a sudden you have memphis and dembele up the middle it could it could be tricky especially you know especially as we saw last night in the via real match where we, we cannot win the possession game mm. and that's how we got the goal was just being more aggressive on those things. I don't know. It's just an idea. I'm just thinking, especially since we don't have Ansu right now, right, you can't yeah. have a, a true three back. So, you know, I'm always trying to think of, I'm trying to always workshop this yeah. type of things when I watch the matches. Cause like, I love to be the manager, right? I love to like mm. put these things in. So I don't know what your thoughts on, on Memphis and Nabelli being as the two forward system for the last 10 minutes of the match. That's it. Right. Uh, well, I think it's worth a shot. You can, you can experiment with that, but I think that in that situation, you would probably have Memphis a bit deeper. He would be like, so you remember how we had Messi and, I don't know, Griezmann, for example, in the, in, in the forward line, then one of them will be kind of deeper and the other one will make runs. And that's kind of the ideal situation. That's how Atletico Madrid used Griezmann as well, for example, with Costa. And, and uh, one would go deeper, one would go, one would go the opposite direction and make runs. And that's how we would essentially have to use Dembele and Memphis. Memphis would, would drop deeper and drag markers and Dembele would get the space and isolation that he needs down the middle and then run and get the ball. I think it could work. Uh, maybe it is something that Xavi could experiment with. I don't think so because he loves the wingers. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Why he loves yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't see it happening, but maybe, I mean, there is potential in that. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, yes, it's not a typical two forward system. Like you said, usually you have yeah. like, you know, when I think of, you know, a four four two like forward system, I think of Diego Costa and Griezmann, for example, where you have the physical yeah. guy pushing yeah. the line and then you have the guy behind him making the play make. but exactly yeah in this idea you could have memphis pushing imagine Diong pushing driving the play up the middle and all mm. of a sudden you have memphis and dembele crisscrossing like mm. wow yeah, that's that's... De- that's delicious for me like i it oof, is you know especially like the way if we see the progression of Diong, like we see last mm. night where he was driving up the middle making exactly the pass to yeah. memphis yeah. All of a sudden, like that to me gets me really excited just of the possibilities of Memphis and Dembele. Again, as a caveat that Dembele has to be healthy for these matches, right? Of course, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he stays at the club. That's that's kind of <laughs> that's the other thing. Point. That's the other thing, yeah. Uh, yeah we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> any other any other lasting impressions so far of the first three matches tactically that I mean, you know, for me it's one of the things I, I've noticed, obviously, you know to being more fit. I would love to see a little bit more activity. I would love to see, you know, I think one of the things when I vividly remember of Xavi Iniesta and Busquets is that Xavi Iniesta played as four people as opposed to two, just the way they were able to interject all the time, right? And I think we are still kind of lacking that, especially with the, I mean, we're definitely look more on the front foot, but I think we need to get like, especially uh, Nico, I think needs a little bit more common show for the ball, more triangle often, because I think that will loosen up a lot of things, especially like, for example, last night in the first 20 minutes when we had the, uh, the, you know, most of the possession. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, it was interesting to see that you know you could see De Jong and Busquets kind of had a double pivot, but yesterday was more like Nico and Busquets, where De Jong had the more advanced role, and I like that much more because it plays De Jong's strengths, and Nico is maybe more suited to. I mean, he can do that number eight role perfectly. He can drive forward as well, but I think that 
De Jong is kind of he's wasted if he's not given the, the freedom to go forward and make those runs and make those passes. So maybe that could be the, the thing that unlocks him, kind of give him that freedom and let Nico do the uh, the more supportive role to Busquets. Then, I guess. Yeah, and let's just tie it up with the three goals because, you know, obviously mm-hmm. with Young coming up, he comes up off, off the, def- you know, coming up and rebounding the goal essentially. And at yeah. first I thought it was going to be, you know, offsides, but, you know, thank God for yeah. VAR laser that it was not. Yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> you know, th- this is the thing is that to me, I think Young. And it's so funny to think this, that he's the elder statesman of the midfield and he's like 23 years old. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. I still think he has so much potential because I just don't feel that he has had the right coaching to put nope. him in the system. But again, you saw last night that they were more vertical. Jordi Alba actually took a shot on that thing. Yeah, That's what actually yeah. started. But again, yeah. Young just following up on that rebound. Any Any thoughts on that goal? Uh, I think that generally, I think that w- that was a big topic as well. Like Barca don't have people who shoot as often. That's kind of the thing. And your point about Jordi Alba is also a good one because Alba has a nice shot. I mean, we've seen that a couple of times throughout the season. I think it was last season that he had some goals from outside the area too. It's uh, generally speaking, just having runners and having someone aggressively attack the box. That's what we've been missing. And then if we cannot do that, just have someone just have a go. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, I mean... sometimes that helps. Sometimes that helps, and and those rebounds can happen. If anything can happen, it's it's uh, it's a big point. <laughs> sometimes, especially with Barca, I think in the last years, yeah. just having the threat of the shot yeah, is dangerous exactly, enough because yeah. all of a sudden that loosens up the things for the defense. Again, I think the the the, the first you know the first goal for Villarreal was just again. One of those things where it was a concentration lapse on the on the throw in, and again, yeah. yeah, not closing in on defense, and no. Villarreal just went through like Swiss cheese, and it was just boom, 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 goal. And I was like, exactly. what just happened? Exactly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, I think Xavi has been working on that kind of congesting the lines and making the players closer to each other, which is key when you want to car press effectively. And when that falls apart, that was that was Barca's big issue for you know, for years now because. They would press high and they would try to counter press, but they were so disjointed and they left so much space between the lines that it was impossible. And a good team will always make use of that. They will always take advantage of it. And VRL, they have their issues and, you know, they've been struggling lately, but yeah. they are a good team. They have the quality to kind of play through you if you don't plug those holes immediately. And that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, normally this would have happened in the fifth minute. As opposed right, to yeah, maybe yeah. the seventieth minute or so, <laughs> yeah. So I know, that's yeah. you know, th- there's there's progression in that, but again, it's just one of those things where yeah. you know they were stuck in mud. Essentially, it happened so mm. quick, and the finish was was brilliant. And then obviously the Memphis goal again. You know, my I always remember when I used to play youth football. My mom used to always scream "hustle" to me all the time. I re- I have like <laughs> I have vivid dreams of that hustle, Gabriel hustle, and la- that that goal from Memphis was just pure hustle. He was all there by himself really bad clearance by the defender. I don't know what he was thinking, but it was a gift, you know, to yeah, try to head was. the ball that far. It's like, again, yeah, sometimes I understand in the span of the game, you lose that lapse of concentration. And again, all he had to do was maybe clear it the other way. And this doesn't yeah. happen, but he goes the other way. Exactly. Memphis yeah. is able to get position. And I thought, I wasn't sure if he was going to pass or shoot. He kind of did a half pass, half shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does that. I mean, he he does most of the things so well. And then the final touch is kind of, he makes an extra touch or he holds the ball for too long and something happens and then he misses a good opportunity. But uh, generally speaking, I think he has that and he has a nose for that. He, he can he can do well in those situations. And even against Benfica, he he did everything right about uh, just just 
apart from the final thing, he just couldn't score that goal. But he did so many things well. And he can, you know, turn a defender. He can he can beat him one versus one. He can make the run. He can make something out of nothing in some situations. But then again, he just needs to be more lethal and decisive. And that's 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 it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, right? And the thing I also like, as we talked before last time, was Chavi's communication style. And I think it was clear, you know, when Memphis missed um, the opportunity, he didn't like yell, right? He didn't go, oh my right. God, like, and throw his hands up like Mourinho style, but yeah, was like yeah, more yeah. positive. And I, and those are like little things where, you know, Chavi knows how hard it is to score, right? And I think we kind of lose track of that. I mean, we've seen in the last matches, it's hard yeah. to score when yeah. you're not the best team in the world, you know, just look at any other team, right? Yeah. Uh, let's go to the last goal with Coutinho again. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Coutinho. Obviously, I don't think he ever should have came. But okay, he's on the team. He comes yeah. in, and if Chabi can get anything out of Coutinho, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm on board, right? We in our WhatsApp right. group for our Patreon community, they were all complimentary about Coutinho's. I mean, he just came in. He knew what he was doing. I think that's the yeah. key, right? And mm -hmm. he created the penalty and converted the penalty. But Dom, mm -hmm. one thing really quick, I cannot stand on penalty kicks when they do this run up. Yeah, and like, then yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it just makes me so nervous every time. Correct. I'm just like, do, just, just yeah. go up and hit it. Like, oh my gosh! But yeah. Coutinho converted, was able to get the score. But I don't know if you noticed when they celebrated the goal, PK came into the circle while they were celebrating, and he was coaching them to not let up on concentration. Mm. The camera mm. did a really great job, and he was just like telling the guys, blah blah mm. blah blah blah. But again, Coutinho, if Xavi can get ten percent out of Coutinho, mm. look out! Look out! It is. I mean, to be honest, when he was first bought, I was like, I was so excited because I thought, okay, this is a world-class player. He is. He really is. And I, I knew that there would be issues with him fitting in and, you know, kind of having Messi's position and all that. But I was so excited, genuinely excited about Coutinho. And so it's, I have a soft spot for him, but <laughs> he is kind of, I don't know. I don't know how he gets ahead of everyone in this team. It's yeah. kind of difficult. Uh, in the form that our midfield is, I don't see him being a midfielder, really. And with Xavi just having, you know, so much emphasis on wingers and, and verticality, he doesn't fit that either. So yeah. it's, it's it's difficult. We'll see. Um, it, <laughs> last week, I was watching uh, some matches with a friend of mine, and I was like, I just wanted to remember what Coutinho did. So I did a deep mm. dive on YouTube. And I couldn't grasp his true position because the goals that they yeah. had on his YouTube was on the left, the right, the middle. So again, yeah. I don't, I don't know how he fits into it. Maybe like he did last night, the last ten minutes on the left side Maybe. underneath Memphis, and that's that's good yeah. enough for me. But again, I like you said, I'm, I, I can't, I can't get over the Abde thing. What a discovery! Because now all of a sudden, yes. with Abde, Memphis, and Ansu, yeah, like that's that's really exciting, right? I mean, that's, it is. It is. Again, it's last 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 thing really quick before I let you go. The yeah. Busquets thing. Now, Busquets has played like against Benfica and so forth. Yeah. Are you do you sit him at all? Because I remember Chavi saying that he was going to sit some of these older players and we haven't seen mm -hmm. it yet. And yeah. I wanted I the thing is, I'm not saying that Busquets still can't play. I just want to see the youth more, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know there could be mistakes. I know there can be, but yeah. I just think the upside and the potential is better because I think those youth players are going to take more risks forward mm -hmm. because again, Busquets still doesn't yeah, again, Benfica, he had some great passes through, but I, I want yeah. more, I want more attacking. I want more verticality. And I think Busquets yeah. is still kind of stuck in that. Um, well, I think it's difficult because when he's playing so well, and he obviously is at the moment, it's what, what it's difficult to, to bench him because you lose out on so much. And, 
uh, I, I don't know. I think maybe playing De Jong and Nico in the double pivot instead of you know De Jong and Busquets could work, and I would I would love to see that. I would that would be amazing. I think. Uh, but at the moment when he's playing so well, and he is playing well because he no one really threads those passes just like Busquets. It's it's just he is still at, at that he is still very much the best. So I think at the moment it's difficult to see him benched. And I don't think that he should be really benched just for now. But moving forward, yes, I would love to see more courage from Xavi and kind of experimenting in that position a bit more. That's the thing. I just want a spot start, right? One here, one there. That's the only thing. I'm not saying that he needs to be benched for 10 games. I'm not not saying that at all. I'm not. But it's it's funny. One of those things is that, you know, Chavi comes in and he just knows the security blanket, right? He just just knows what to expect. And of course, that's what he's going to do. Well, the next match is going to be tricky. At least they have the whole week to recover. They they play against Real Betis. But again, this is going to be a complicated time. As we mm-hmm. always say here, it's a 4.15 kickoff time, which here in Spain yeah. means siesta time. So we have to be it careful <laughs> with this match because always, I mean, if I could make a graph of the 4.15 times and how Barca performs, I guarantee it's not very yeah. good, right? Because it's here, it's, it's so funny culturally how weird that is. But yes, 4.15 is like early here. It's it's, <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird yeah. time. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, I have I've linked your Substack in our notes again. Thank you, Dom. Thank this you. this this thing is amazing. It's one Thank of my favorite so reads now. I enjoy you. reading your tactical analysis, and you know, again, thanks for joining me. And we'll talk soon. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.